1: This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and uh, hit winners.
3: Early odds with Joe Ostrowski.
4: Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts.
1: Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker.
4: Why didn't somebody tell me?
1: Chicago sports
4: betting show.
3: Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are
1: celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding me kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under. Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge.
2: He'd find out the kind of
0: inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they use on college basketball courts, you know? early odds with
5: Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine Sports is very radio. smart, said I've been very lucky with score. gambling. I've never won.
3: Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app.
6: The NBA is on break, but we can still bet on it. College basketball's regular season comes to a close this weekend for your power conferences while the mid-major conference tourneys continue. Joe O broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Follow and interact on Twitter at Joe0670, at Joe0670. College Hoops expert Eli Hershkovich will be here to go over all the games you'll be watching and betting today, Jim Miller has some derby preps picks, but let's start with NBA All-Star Weekend. Before I bring in my guest, as an appetizer on my daily sports betting podcast, BetQL Daily, I asked former Suns GM slash radio.com insider Ryan McDonough, whom he likes for the All-Star Game contest, here's 90 seconds of McDonough.
1: Yeah, a couple things stand out. Uh, I think as far as the events go, it's clear now. And this is the way the league is trending, as you guys know. But um, the Slam Dunk Contest used to be the marquee event on the schedule. And a lot of stars and superstars would participate in that. Uh, now, that that is not the case. With with all due respect to the, the guys you just mentioned, uh, Anthony Simons, Obi Toppin and Cassius Stanley, those aren't, you know, star players. And and, in fact, Mm. uh, Cassius Stanley's on a two-way contract for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, And I bring it up (laughs) because the three-point contest has become the marquee event. Uh, You know, I was a little disappointed to see Damian Lillard uh, pull himself out. I understand why he carries a heavy load for the Blazers, and I think it's been a long, exhausting year. Uh, But the guys I gravitate to in that are players uh, like Devin Booker. Um, You know, Clay Thompson's obviously not participating this year, but guys with a repeatable stroke who can – you know, take the ball off the rack and with a short compact stroke, they don't need to jump a lot. Uh, It's more uh, almost mechanical and rhythmic. Uh, I like those guys compared to a a Jalen Brown, who's a jump shooter, which is, you know, phenomenal uh, in games. It's an unguardable shot when he elevates and shoots like that. But I just don't think you can shoot a lot of those and shoot a high level percentage when you're talking about elite shooters, again, like Booker and Thompson, when he's healthy, Lillard has this ability to just take the ball off the rack and kind of flick it, you know, time after time. Uh, So I I like Devin Booker in that one. And then in the dunk contest, um, uh, he's probably the the least known name there, but Cassius Stanley, the rookie out of Duke, is a complete athletic freak. Uh, A lot lot of your listeners probably saw him play last year for the Blue Devils. Uh, So I I like him as a dark horse uh, to win the dunk contest because he's the most athletic guy of that trio.
6: Former Suns GM Ryan McDonough with me this week on my weekday pod, BetQL Daily. Smash subscribe, people. Subscribe. Ryan will be the first to admit that he is biased when it comes to Booker since he did draft him out of Kentucky. We found out late last night that Booker is out of the All-Star festivities, Mike Conley in, but I wanted to include that McDonough bite on the three-point contest because of what he mentioned about Jalen Brown and why he doesn't like him. Let's continue to dissect NBA all-star weekend from a sports betting perspective. We go out to the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford and Melrose Park on North Avenue or AP4.com. We welcome into Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, my guest, Jordan Malley. You hear him on the Bernstein and Rahimi show. He hosts the Locked on Bulls podcast at Jordan C. Malley on Twitter at Jordan I'm not going to say I heard because I heard directly from you because we talk every night before we bet all the NBA games, sides, totals, and player props. But uh, you sent me the screenshot, hit a nice same game parlay the other day. Congratulations.
0: Thanks. It felt good. I mean, that's a good way to close out the first half of the NBA season. it's been a rough stretch over the last couple of weeks, betting with all of the injuries, the kind of unknowns, a lot of teams kind of up and down. I was happy to start the, Hopefully start the second half on a positive note. This'll this will do it for me.
6: It was a wild last couple of days. I was telling people on BetQL Daily to dial it back a little bit, but <laughs> I didn't know like everybody was going to be in question for the games. Um, fifth right toe irritation for Zion. Uh Paul George, he's a little dizzy. Like it, it was comical what's been happening the last few days. Yeah,
0: if you watch every night like we do and we pay this close attention to the stats and we're like, okay, something's happening. Why why do the lines look like that when on a normal night when everybody's playing, it doesn't look like that? So if you watch and pay close attention, you're like, okay, some load management is coming. And sure enough, it did over the last two weeks.
6: All right, it's going to be strange for a lot of Bulls fans to see a representative on the court in the All-Star game. Now that's one thing. But we started to see the rule changes a year ago, which people were unsure of, but then I think at least in the end, but it's also I'm looking at the list of participants in the slam dunk contest. I'm like, what is going on here? I, I Now it's all in one day instead of being spread out over two days. It's at different times. Can you break it down how this all-star game is going to be different? They're going to pack
0: it in all into one day and it's. Going to be unusual, but I think it's going to make for a great night and maybe even question about having an entire weekend spread across three days. The three-point contest and the skills contest are going to happen before the actual All-Star game. You'll get a one half of the All-Star game, and then you'll get the dunk contest smack dab in the middle of the game. So if you're looking for three or four hours of content to watch, on a Sunday night, there's no better place to do it. So they're going to cram all of these contests in all of this action in about three or four hours. So I'm here for it.
6: All right, Jordan, let's start with the game. You don't have to make a bet. There are many different ways to wager on all-star weekend or festivities, whatever you uh, want to focus in on, but let's start with the game first. It's team LeBron against team Durant. We had the draft on Thursday. Now, it's pretty obvious just looking at the two rosters that team LeBron has more talent and the odds reflect that the line is set around three and a half, four team LeBron, the favorite total of three Oh nine. I just kind of chuckled because I always loved it when we were growing up. I should say me since I'm much older, but when I was growing up in, in the heyday of the bulls and you wanted to root for the East and you couldn't wait for the West to lose. I thought that was awesome. And this is cool too though because I think everybody loves drafts, but it also is kind of east versus west anyways because Durant took a lot of east guys and LeBron took a lot of players in the west. Yeah, Giannis
0: is the only one that kind of went west and vice versa with KD. Well, KD's now in the east, but still I think people are going to sleep on KD's team. Like on the surface level we're talking starting five, people on the surface level say, "Oh, LeBron's team's easily winning but I wouldn't be so sure and I think KD is the underdog right now so I would take a look at that but the over is laughable total the total points in this game I would take the over easy it's laughable I think that they did something like 330 points last year I'm looking for a big big game a big show the NBA is going to want that so I'm going to take the over on the points man.
6: Yeah. So it wasn't quite that high. I I was uh, taking a look at that earlier. 312 points were scored. One of the main takeaways was, wow, they were playing some defense at the very end. It was lower scoring than most years. And then I look it up and I'm like, wait a second. It was 157 (laughs) to 155. I wouldn't say that qualifies as low scoring, but remember just a few years back, Jordan, we were getting the winner of this game into the 190s. Like it was just bonkers but i do agree with you that's how they set this it it was 312 last year so they put the total somewhere around there with these rules uh at 309 so if i'm playing the side or the total i would also go over the team durant reserves are not bad at all wouldn't shock me if they compete here they got a lot of shooters on that team too and
0: KD decided to take our guy and the Bulls and Zach Levine too. I'm going to be interested to see what he does coming off the bench. I know this being his first appearance, it's going to be a big game for him. I just don't know how team LeBron has all these bigs on their team. How are you going to match up with some of the guards and some of the length and the quickness that KD's team has? Obviously it's not like a real, not hundred percent like a real game, but still I think that these guys are going to want to be
6: competitive and have some bragging rights. So it should be a good game. So Jordan, just to, just to tie up the game part, I'll, I'll play the over. I'm good with that. Are you playing the total or the side?
0: I'm going to play the over, too. I think okay. it's going to be a wild game.
6: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the first year with the rule changes and there was the motivation, and it, and I assume they're still doing the charity element this year. I'm not saying they're not going to try, but year one, they probably wanted to, to give more effort because everyone was criticizing them for the lack of defense over the previous seasons. Yeah, and they were almost giving them
0: too much props last year it's like everybody felt the need to say oh my god everybody's actually playing some defense this time and okay uh, let's maybe scale it back a little bit I want to see some more scoring in this one and it's not a full weekend again so the NBA wants to showcase their best I'm assuming that they're going to want high scoring
6: This is early odds with Joe Ostrowski, my guest, Jordan Malley. He hosts the Locked On Bulls podcast, bets the NBA every single day, and he produces Bernstein and Rahimi weekdays here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. It may not be a plus EV bet, but every single year, Jordan, it is a ritual of mine. I have to pick someone to bet the MVP award. I have to. It's just what happens. I do the same thing with Major League Baseball. So I make a wager here, and I'm looking at Team LeBron and Team Durant. Now, something that people may not realize is most years, they're always outliers, but most years it ends up being one of the starters here. So LeBron's team has Giannis, Luka, Curry, and Jokic. Durant obviously not playing. That is Beal, Embiid, Kyrie, Kawhi and Jason Tatum. So I'm just looking at the starters. Maybe uh, you're approaching it a different way. You can run down the board where you can find a a long shot, but it kind of tells you like the odds makers are saying, yeah, uh, LeBron's team's going to win because they have all the star power and they put all of them lower than 10 to one. However, you can find some value with team Durant. We're talking double digits, all of them ranging from, oh, 12 to one up to 28 to one with Tatum. So, yes, Team LeBron is more talented, but I'm willing to take a shot. And and I can see a scenario where Team Duran ends up winning. And you can find a guy like Joel Embiid near the very top in the MVP race this season. Maybe he gets involved defensively a little bit and he has a high scoring game. I could see Embiid 16 to one, absolutely winning the MVP. I'm
0: with you. I think it's going to be one of the bigs, man. This has kind of been the storyline of the entire season, right? It's been the emergence of the big running the offense, the big just absolutely dominating. Joel Embiid has been fantastic, but I'll I'll go the opposite way. I'll go to Team LeBron if they do end up winning. I'm going to take your guy Jokic, man. This would just add there to another go. add to another piece to his MVP candidacy, right? Uh, dominating in the all-star game and winning the all-star game MVP and also picking up the win for team LeBron. I could see it going either way. I'm cool with betting on either Embiid and going with KD's team or betting on Jokic and go with LeBron. Either way, I'm going with a big.
6: Zach Levine, 40, anything, just like a little something just because I think the only way that happens if he he gets on fire, like quick,
0: like if he hits three threes in a row, then maybe, maybe Durant decides, you know, let's keep, let's keep Zach out here and let's just let him fire. But if he's missing shots or just kind of not involved, I think it's kind of a long shot. I, I see Zach in the three point contest, which we can talk about.
6: Uh, Well, first Jordan, I am now the guy I've always hated. I am at that stage in my life. All-star celebrity game. I see the names there are four of them. And no joke, I know one of them. I used to roll my eyes when I would hear the old guy on the radio talk about that. I seriously know one of so the matchup is is it Quavo and Jack Harlow against Lil' Baby and two chains with Lil Baby and Two Chains, the minus 150 favorite? Is that what's happening? We're we're having two on two. Is this before the game at halftime? What is this? So it's it's quite <laughs> Quavo's is part of Weebo's. He's a
0: rapper, and uh, oh. Jack Carlos from Atlanta. He's a rapper out of Atlanta. Okay, uh, all pretty popular. Two Chains as well, and okay. Lil Baby. All four rappers. I'm old, so man. You're gonna get a little bit of a. You're gonna get a little bit of a celebrity showdown. It's gonna appease to the younger audience, the hip hop audience as well. It should be pretty fun though. quavo has got game in. By the way, Quavo's like a sports owner now, too. He owns part of the fan control football league, too, so he's all over sports as well as dominating music. So it should be entertaining. You'll be entertained by it, even if you don't
6: know the names. I'm not going to watch it. No, I'm not. I'm not. Ca- I'm out. Catch, like, 90 seconds of it. You might be entertained. Are they going to have a 10-point shot like they used to at jock jams or whatever it was with the MTV people? You're too young. You don't even remember that. So it's a two-on-two charity game. First to 21 wins hopefully it doesn't take too long
0: oh man can you imagine just having to wait like 15 20 minutes because they're bricking shots left and right
6: that would not be a good showcase for the nba all right where do you want to go skills challenge three-point contest or slam dunk you tell me i think we start with
0: the kind of the most unknown and the one people shrug their shoulders at it was the slam dunk contest like who are these names? Like even for an avid NBA fan, you're kind of like, who are these names? But the guy that I've been seeing rumored most by a lot of people is the favorite and Cassius Stanley out of Duke. The dude can just flat out fly. I saw a couple of videos surfacing around Twitter of him trying to dunk from the free throw line a few weeks ago. So I think that's the guy, even though Obi Toppin is probably going to be talked about the most.
6: Stanley is the heavy favorite at some of the legal spots, but then you go to some of the offshore places, and he's not. It's all pretty close, so they they don't really know what to do with this. Stanley is the guy that Ryan McDonough picked to win, but, man, you you know Toppin's going to be bet because people saw him go highly in the draft, and and they remember seeing him play in college. So I I feel like Toppin's going to be bet, but the sharper play is Stanley if you can get a decent number, right?
0: I don't even know why Anthony Simons is in this, in this contest. Who is Anthony Simons first off? Oh, he's the trailblazers like hidden gem that they've been keeping away for like the last two or three years. Like one of the youngest prospects is a G league guy. Uh, He's only like 20 years old and has been in the league almost three years now, but that's like their prize. Hey, after Dame retires, that's the next guy to step into his role. I didn't know he can dunk though. I'll be honest with you. I know he can shoot threes. He's got great handles. He can pass. He's going to be a
6: great player. I just didn't know he had hops and he could dunk. Are you making a play here? Are you even interested? I know what's going to happen at halftime. It's going to be quick. Only three players involved, as you mentioned. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's cool. Is it better than a band playing at halftime? Probably.
0: Yeah, we're some terrible halftime performance. We'll probably still get that. But I'm going to take the favorite in this one. I'm pretty confident after seeing a lot of people hype him up. I'm going to take Cassius Stanley and direct the Pacers.
6: There are some sites, like I mentioned, he is not the favorite. So it kind of depends where you go. As always, we would find your value. Yeah, as always, we suggest that you shop around. So let's push the three-point contest back a little bit, because I think that's the one that most people are going to be interested in. We have the skills challenge. Is that before the game?
0: Yes, that's going to be before the game, as well as the three-point
6: contest. All right, when I, when I take a look at the skills challenge, right? it's amazing, man. I'm just so used to, if you look on one site, for the for the most part, the point spread, the total, the MVP odds are going to be similar. But as I look around, the odds are completely different from site to site. So I'll just go with one legal book that I'm looking at. Chris Paul is the favorite for the skills challenge contest winner. Luca is second favorite. Then Julius Randall, Nikola Vucevic. Sabonis from the Pacers, and Robert Covington, the long shot. If you look at the last five winners, a lot of bigs, and that's where you can find some value according to the odds right now. Last year, it was BAM winning. Before, you go Jason Tatum, Spencer Dinwiddie, Porzingis, and Cat. So we've got three bigs in the last five years.
0: It's interesting because it's all determined by speed. How fast can you finish it one-on-one against somebody? So it's not even the fastest out of the group. You're going one-on-one up against somebody, and the fastest times end up getting to the final round. So do you pick speed and quickness like Chris Paul, or do you pick somebody that's a little bit bigger and has some more finesse like Nicole Vucevic? Man, I think I'm still going to go with the fast speed. Chris Paul's the play, but if you're going to go a long shot, Why not Robert Covington? Uh, I think he's got the speed, quickness. He's a great rebounder, great passer. I'm going to take him if you're going to take a long shot. Otherwise, go with the favorite Chris Paul. I don't see anything in between, though.
6: No Sabonis?
0: I don't think so. I just think he's going to get slowed down, especially because it's a speed matchup and you're going one-on-one.
6: Okay. Hmm. You know, the New York contingent wants uh, Randall to get this home.
0: I love, I love Julius Randall. I just, I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing jumps out to me as far as like, Hey, screams, Hey, take Julius Randall. I'm still going to go the quick speedy guy and take the vet in Chris Paul.
6: All right, Chris Paul, most places you go, he's the favorite or the second favorite overall. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score getting you set for All-Star Weekend, which has become All-Star Sunday and the different ways that you can attack this, some fun ways uh, betting on all this stuff, the slam dunk contest, the skills challenge, and the three-point contest. This is where the big names have decided, yeah, I'm down for that, including... The Bulls' very own Zach Levine. We've got six shooters to no one's surprise. Steph Curry is your favorite. Zach Levine, Donovan Mitchell, and we've got the Celtics as the long shots. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So, recent winners. Last year here in here in town, Buddy Healed won. Joe Harris, great outside shooter for the Nets won in recent years. Uh, Booker, you had Eric Gordon, Clay, and Steph is a, a previous winner. Where are you looking for this one?
0: I'm eliminating three of them right, right off the bat. I'm looking at three guys and three guys only. It's going to be Steph, Donovan Mitchell, and Zach Levine. I'm going to tell you why. I went back and looked at how they've been shooting their three-pointers, where they've been shooting them on the floor. And I, I'd also think factoring in how the three-point contest is actually going to play out factors into this even more than it did in a traditional one. So they're adding two zones to this, two Mountain Dew zones. Okay. And so they're two spots, six feet from the three-point line. They're worth three points. They're increasing the time limit from 60 to 70. Uh, the max score you can get is now going from 34 to 40. You have four racks of balls and five total with a money ball being at the end. So total of 40 points, man. Zach Levine, I'm not just being a Bulls homer here, man. He's <laughs> got the best stats by far. Above the break threes, he's shooting 42.8% this year. That's the fifth most makes in the NBA. Corner threes, he's shooting 47.8%. Zero dribbles, and this is important because you're just picking the ball up from the rack and shooting on zero dribbles and catch and shoot. Forty two. 87 at 48.3%, pull-up threes, 42.1%. So the stats, he leads them by far. Zach Levine not being the favorite is wild to me, and he'd be the first guy ever to win the dunk contest and the three-point contest.
6: See, I don't think it's that wild. Uh, Just based on name value, I expected Steph Curry to be the favorite. And then he also has one in the past. So that doesn't really surprise me, but I was looking at the exact same catch and shoot numbers that you just referenced and Levine, the leader in the clubhouse by a decent margin here at 48.3% because next highest, it goes down to Mitchell and Jalen Brown in that 43% range. But I I will also mention that with that 48% for Levine on the catch and shoot of this group, Some of the fewest attempts, only 2.6 attempts of the catch-and-shoot. Does that concern you at all? I think the only spot
0: it concerns me is if you look at maybe having to go down to a final round with a guy like Donovan Mitchell who's shooting 43.6% on catch-and-shoot this year. I think you're going to be able to catch Steph Curry and other guys with weaknesses. Steph Curry from the corners this year is only shooting 28.6%. So if you're not looking for the favorite, that could be a way that you could talk yourself into wedging. Steph Curry out in the early rounds, man. But Zach Levine is one of the only dudes in this to have 42% or more or higher from all different angles. And even consider this, the Bulls are 16th in three-point attempts per game, 16th in the league, and they're shooting 37.8%. Most of those three-point attempts per game are coming from Levine's pocket. So I think all the value is on Zach Levine. The storyline is equipped there too. So I think I'm going to go with Zach Levine here.
6: As we're discussing this, I'm just shopping around a little bit. I see one spot that has Zach Levine as the fourth favorite at plus 450.
0: Wow. wow. is that That's ridiculous? Really yes, that is. Especially the year that he's having and even considering, like I just said, the Bulls, the Jazz are the number one three-point shooting team in the league. They attempt almost 43 three-pointers a game. They're shooting 39.8%, but they have a ton of three-point shooters. So I think Donovan Mitchell's value Could be there if he goes on a hot streak, but I think just Zach Levine alone, everything proves pointing to Zach
6: Levine. I think we have a show bet here. You you bet on Zach Levine, and what's the worst thing that can happen? You're cheering for your guy to take down the three-point contest tomorrow, and he comes up a little bit short. You're going to want him to win anyways, uh, most people listening, so why not put a little something on Levine? The only thing that scares me is potentially Steph being
0: able to knock down those two three-point balls in the corners, man. Other than that, I feel, I feel pretty confident taking Levine.
6: Jordan Malley, you can hear him on the Burnstein and Rahimi show, chiming in 9 a.m. to noon weekdays here on 670 The Score. And subscribe to the Locked on a Bulls podcast. Thank you, Jordan. So tomorrow, over and Levine to win the three-point contest, correct?
0: Yes. And then we will celebrate Zach Levine being <laughs> the only player to win the dunk contest and the three-point contest. And hopefully he has a good all-star game as well.
6: All the NBA info you need to make it an entertaining Sunday. Hopefully a winner or two mixed in. Let's hit the college level next and break down nine games. Nine games with Eli Hershkovich. Happy Saturday. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app.
3: co-worker of yours.
6: score listener line is open 24 7, 365, and powered by BetQL, Bet Smarter, and Beat the Books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 a.m. on 670, the score. Remember Chris Ranji? Yeah, I hosted my BetQL daily pod with him yesterday. Uh, remember Eli Hershkovich? Yeah, the College Hoops Maven joined us on said pod. And we started with today's Illinois Ohio State matchup. Well, we don't know
2: if I would assume it is going to play for the Illini. Uh, Ohio State coming off three straight losses, their last game against Iowa over the weekend did not play well defensively. That's the the biggest defensive issue is perimeter defense. And it, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna show up against Iowa defensively if you can't guard the perimeter. So especially against an Iowa team that's starting to click defensively. If IO doesn't play, I think this is a pretty good bounce-back spot for Ohio State. They played well against Illinois the first time around. Granted, that was an Illinois team that hadn't come together to this point. This is an Illinois team that's one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. They're going to be a one-seed at this point unless they have a hiccup, maybe against Ohio State and lose early in the Big Ten tournament, which isn't going to happen. If Ohio State can contend on the glass with Illinois and speed Illinois up a little bit, then I think Ohio State, similar to the first time these two teams played. This is one of those spots where if Illinois coming out their biggest win of the season and Ohio State needing to prove something, even though they're still on the two line. I just like the spot play. Um, I would be on Ohio State at around a pick or anything better if Iowa doesn't play.
6: It's going to be fascinating, Eli, because you would assume that the public, no matter what the number is, is going to be all over the Illini. Yeah. And going into the last game, the big news, well, is Io in? Is Io in? I can't make my play until I, I know if Io DeSumo is going to be out there, the possible Naismith Award winner. But going into this game, after seeing what happened against Michigan, I think there's going to be a lot of people that don't care if he plays or not. They're, they're going to back the Illini no matter what.
2: Right, and it probably gets driven up. So maybe Illinois closes around minus two, minus three. As much as I harp on how poor Ohio State is playing defensively, this is just one of those spots where if your best player isn't playing for Illinois, yes, they played super well defensively, but similar to to Michigan, Illinois might just have one of those letdown performances. I mean, they they were on. They were zoned in for that Michigan game. Michigan couldn't get anything going in the half court. Kofi Coburn matched up so, so well against Dickinson. I just, I, I love the spot here for the Buckeyes where I'd be willing to take the points, which is where it'll likely close at.
6: What are your thoughts on Indiana against 23rd ranked Purdue to close the regular season?
2: Yeah, I can't trust Indiana, even though this might be a good spot. They're getting around, probably going to get around five or six. You know, if, if this line is sitting around six, I might have to plug my nose and and take Indiana. Armand franklin status is going to be big. They missed him last week against Michigan, but we saw it against Michigan State. And kind of, I mean, these two teams, Purdue and Michigan State, kind of similar. Purdue's a little bit more explosive offensively, but they both have pretty good defenses, at least down the stretch here. And I, I don't trust Indiana enough. Rob Fennessy, clearly Indiana's point guard isn't healthy. Christian Lander, their freshman, is so inconsistent. So just to get into your offensive sets, Trace Jackson and Davis is going to have a tough time getting his against this Purdue front court. Uh, Zach Eadie is playing really well. Uh, had a big game against Wisconsin earlier in the week. Travion Williams, when he's going, when he's not in foul trouble, Purdue's front court is absolutely lethal. So maybe I'll plug my nose and take the five or six points with Indiana. Uh, but, I mean, it was a great spot last week. I know it's Michigan, but, man, did their offense just sputter after the first five or so minutes of that game, maybe the first part of the first half. So two possessions might be worth, a value play on the Hoosiers, but probably you stay away.
4: You also wanted to hit on Michigan and Michigan state. Where are you on that one?
2: Yeah. So just, I guess, closing out with the big 10 there, that game's on, on Sunday. Uh, Those two teams played last night, Michigan blew them out. Michigan clinched the big 10 title. Maybe it's a sleepy spot for Michigan. And maybe the line is a little overinflated with Michigan state, trying to fight to get into the NCAA tournament. Last night, the line closed at around 11. I could see this thing closing around maybe 12 12 and a half so maybe you get a little bit of value with Michigan State and the Big 10 wants Izzo and the Spartans in the in the dance so bad. So it it, it might be again one of those plug your nose spots but I would say the less so than Indiana just because I can't trust this Michigan State offense even in a potential letdown spot for Michigan. They just can't get to the rim. I mean these guards can't shoot and they can't get to the basket against a kind of like a gap heavy defense kind of like a no middle defense like texas tech runs michigan is very gap oriented where they're going to try to close every single lane to get to the basket and michigan state's guards when when they can't shoot uh it's a pretty gross offense to watch so uh, you might get maybe some value with around four possessions with michigan state in a must win game or at least a game that you got to keep competitive just for your psyche going into the big 10 tournament but i i I probably got to stay away on sunday
6: so tell us why you're going to take the Badgers over your most hated head coach in all of America, Fran McCaffrey, and his Hawkeyes.
1: Yeah. It's a great observation by you. You're a smart guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really is, Joe. You know, I, I want to, but, I mean, we talk about bad offenses. Indiana, Michigan State, Wisconsin's lost four of their last five games, and their one win was against Northwestern. I mean, sh- from a shooting perspective, they're shooting t- in the top 100 in three-point percentage overall this season. But their bottom three in the conference in terms of conference play in three-point field goal percentage, they have fallen off a cliff. I mean, you want to talk about like a live or die three-point shooting team that when they got hot last year and they won like nine or ten straight games in what would have been the Big Ten tournament after that, they looked like a team that was going to go on a run and potentially make a Final Four and maybe who knows after that. I got them at like a hundred to one. I loved what they what they were doing at that point. I mean, they were shooting at such a high percent, at such a high clip, but they're not anywhere near where they're at, uh, where they were at last year. I mean, Kempom makes this line six. I'll probably take Wisconsin at this line is six. I think just based off of the spot for Wisconsin and Iowa's three-point defense, uh, they're giving up the, the highest three-point uh scoring rate in big ten play. So if Wisconsin can just hit you know, 35, 32% of their threes and their defense comes to play like it did against Purdue. It's a tough ask. Like, it's not like that's guaranteed just the way they've shot of late and to meet Dimitri Trice, he's, he's been super inconsistent. Nate Reavers is probably one of the most disappointing players overall in terms of guys that could have taken that jump. But if you're getting two possessions, that's probably my stronger play of the three big 10 games that we've talked about.
4: You know, there's another game that's interesting outside the Big Ten. That is, uh, well, to me, I I think is interesting, or a team that is anyway in Villanova. They've got Providence, and Villanova is is one of those that it's not that they're bad. They're certainly not a bad team at 16 and four. But you you on paper, you feel like they could be even better. How how do you feel about this game coming up?
2: No, it's it's a good point because defensively, I mean, they're they top 10 in adjusted offensive efficiency, but they're just outside the top. Uh, 60 in adjusted defensive efficiency, and they just lost their starting point guard in Colin Gillespie. And he means a lot to that team, not only on offense, but on defense and against a Providence team. That's going to be playing desperate. Now they got to, they got to win the big East tournament to get in, but we talked about it, Joe, yesterday with, with Nova losing their starting point guard. I don't know how long Greg McDermott is going to be out for, but he's at least out for the Butler game. You would think he's going to be back. For the Big East tournament, but let's say he isn't, and the wait.
6: What, why do you think that? Because when I heard suspended, I assumed rest of the season. This That's isn't going to blow over too. that
2: quickly. It seemed like if they were going to suspend it, they would have done it before the Villanova game. Maybe the university thought. I, I hate to say this, but like, you no, know, it was a big game for Creighton, so maybe they're just doing it for one game. Listen, if if he's out for the Big East tournament, then it really is a wide open conference tournament. And Providence, UConn is probably the team that a lot of people are going to jump on. I know Providence didn't play well. They were up double digits against St. John's uh, in the first half. Didn't close St. John's, outscored them by double digits in the second half, and, and St. John's ended up winning that game by 14 points. That's a hell of a turnaround. It's like a 25-point swing in the second half for uh, for St. John's. But either way, against Villanova, one of those spots where you're coming off of a of a down performance in the second half where I think Providence comes to play. Villanova's offense really struggled down the stretch against Creighton. This will be one of my plays, Providence. There's no real match advantage uh, unless Providence is shooting at a high clip from three, which they can. They're just kind of inconsistent uh, about average in Big East play in terms of three-point field goal clip. But if David Duke, David Duke is kind of the key to this offense because you know what Nate Watson is, is going to bring down low. I think he matches up really well against James Robinson Earl. But if Providence is hitting their threes, they can win this game outright. And we're probably going to get, let's say, with a Gillespie injury, maybe about a possession three, three and a half the line probably closes around maybe three, two and a half because of the injury and because of how Villanova played down the stretch in the Creighton game without him. So I'll be on the Friars.
6: With Eli Hershkovich, this is BetQL Daily. Uh, Let's hit on the Irish. Notre Dame Nation not happy man they're chanting fire brain oh yeah they're booing him oh, there are, are there are columns all over the place that are saying that Notre Dame fans are being ridiculous some saying it's absolutely warranted we got former players of his now in the NBA going out in social media telling people to stop what is wrong with them
2: uh so this is this is a big one against number 11 Florida State uh what do you think I kind of like Notre Dame in this spot. If you're looking at the projected line, the Irish are probably gonna get two possessions. It's kind of the same, the same storyline that we've been talking about for the last three games or so. Florida State's perimeter defense is susceptible. That's how Notre Dame scores is with their three point shooting. Florida State in the bottom half of the ACC in opponents' three-point scoring rate. So if Notre Dame's on, and you would expect some so, sort of bounce-back performance, right? I mean, these guys are going to come to play for Bray. I know it's kind of a situational angle more than anything, but I would expect it at least after what happened against NC State. They closed it around as around two-point favorites. They lose that game outright, lose the game by double digits against an okay NC State uh, team, but that's a Notre Dame team that's playing, been playing pretty well late. Florida State, I've I just been expecting this three-point shooting to regress at some point. It's still over 41% in conference play. Now, Notre Dame's defense is susceptible to the three, just like Florida State's is. But if you're getting two possessions, let's see where this line closes at. If let's say it's tomorrow morning or later tonight, and maybe we get around six and a half, seven, kind of similar to what Florida State was against Pitt a couple weeks back the Irish will probably be a play. It's a pretty good situational angle, and they do have some offensive advantages with that three-point shooting. I mean, you go back to the NC State game earlier in the week, their defense did cost them, but Notre Dame shot 34% from three. That's what they do. That's how they score. It's a a good spot for Notre Dame to bounce back and at least keep the game kind of tight.
4: All right. Uh, one of those college basketball games that everybody looks forward to, or at least the two times they they play per season is Duke and North Carolina. And Duke's had their, they've had all kinds of stuff happen this year. Jalen Johnson saying, I'm I'm done playing for the rest of the year. I'm going to go play in the league and I'm going to get ready for that. Duke uh, played well for a little bit after that. They've lost their last couple. They've got Carolina. What do you think of this one?
2: Yeah. I mean, this North Carolina team just starting out with the Tar Heels is just one of the weirdest stretches, probably in terms of because of the, what they were supposed to be and, and what they could have turned into. I mean, you go from winning back-to-back games. They smashed Louisville a couple Saturdays ago. And then they schedule a game against Marquette because they wanted something in between the Louisville and Florida State game. They lose that game by double digits as close in at around as around eight or nine point favorites. And then they lose to Syracuse after upsetting Florida State at home last week and winning the game after being down by around double digits in the first half. I think this is a good bounce back spot for UNC. Duke is sputtering. Even though they were playing good basketball, have won four in a row in the midst of the J- Jalen Johnson thing. UNC size, though. We saw it the first time these two teams played about three weeks to a month ago. UNC could dominate this game in the paint. Highest two-point scoring rate in ACC play with that front court. Duke giving up the fourth-highest two-point scoring rate in conference play. I mean, with Baycott, with Garrison Brooks, Kessler had a huge game against Florida State. Didn't show up against Syracuse earlier in the week, but I like this, uh, this spot for UNC to bounce back. Probably not a play because the line's probably going to close around a possession around three, but this, this should be a UNC win.
6: Looking forward to this big 12 matchup, your West Virginia Mountaineers going up against Oklahoma state, you know, Cunningham rolled his ankle uh, last night for Oki
2: state. Is he going to be all right? At the the coach was talking about it. Mike Boynton touched on it after the game. It sounds like he's going to be able to play. We just don't know how he's going to be off that ankle. I would say this is a bigger game for West Virginia just in terms of of seeding because Oklahoma State's going to probably end up on that four line the way they play down the stretch unless they are one and done in the Big 12 tournament, which could happen. But uh, just in terms of West Virginia trying to get back on that two line, I would say this means a little bit more to them. From a a rebounding standpoint, West Virginia has an advantage in this game. Uh, They have a size advantage overall. Uh, And I think Culver is able to dominate the paint. No, Caleb Boone versus Culver is probably the biggest matchup to watch for in this game. There is good. There is the revenge angle where Oklahoma State blew that. I think it was 19, 20 point lead against West Virginia at the way beginning of Big 12 play. Oklahoma State can score down low against West Virginia. That's where the Mountaineers defense is most susceptible along with that perimeter defense. West Virginia is projected to be a five point favorite. That's probably a little too much. Around two possessions, but it's also tough to back. Just going back to your original point, Joe, if uh, Cade's ankle status, so it, it's probably a stay away for me. Just off that, if we know he's going to be okay, uh, then I would probably take Oklahoma State if the injury didn't happen and, and the the uh, the Cowboys were getting two possessions, four or five points. Yeah,
4: I, I know we've only got a, a little bit left here with you, but uh, Texas Tech and Baylor, obviously Baylor's just uh, they're a beast. They're they're probably the best team in the country if it's not Gonzaga. I mean, what do, what do you think of this one?
2: Yeah, Texas Tech is playing really good ball. And if you go back to that first matchup, it was tied in the second half. Texas Tech, with that defense, with that ball pressure, was able to come back. Baylor looks a little bit susceptible defensively. I mean, you go up against a superstar like Kate Cunningham, what he did it in the second half yesterday, at least to get Oklahoma State to cover. And then Baylor against West Virginia. Now, these, those are two... Teams that are trending in the right direction for March, Texas Tech, while they've been playing better of late winners there's a two in a row, they've still been kind of inconsistent. But if you look at where Texas Tech can expose this Baylor team, if Baylor isn't running all over Texas Tech, then Texas Tech should be able to score in the half court, get to the rim, similar to what Oklahoma State did yesterday, especially in the beginning part of that first half. Baylor is in the bottom 100 in opponent's two-point scoring rate. So if McClung and Santos Silva can get to the rim and be efficient inside, I mean, that's the biggest question with Texas Tech is how efficient are they offensively. But Kempa makes this line around nine. So if you're getting Texas Tech similar to uh, what Oklahoma State was yesterday, that's probably a play on Tech on Sunday.
6: That's Radio.com's Eli Hershkovich with myself and America's friend Chris Ranji. On my five times a week podcast, BetQL Daily, Eli will be doing a live Periscope at 10 a.m. with Tom Casali on today's games. You'll be able to find the link on Twitter under at BetQL app. That's at BetQL app. Jim Miller has Derby Preps picks for you. He's next. I'm Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. Got early odds with Joe Ostrowski on a Saturday morning on Sports Radio 670. The score. Hope you're enjoying the start to your weekend. Are you ready to make it rain? Yeah, they're still doing that over at Points Bet. 30 days, 30 games, $3 million in free bets given away to Points Bet customers by Paige Sporanic. Download the Points Bet app to find out more. So all you do on the app is you select Paige's promo every single day, and there's a new game. And if you bet on that game on one of the sides, at least $50. For every three that your team makes, you will get $3 in free bets. Speaking of points bet, they are located over at Hawthorne Racecourse. Let's bring in Jim Miller from Hawthorne. Jim, what's going on this Saturday with
5: you? Man, it's a a busy day, but in an exciting way, Joe. The live racing season starts at Hawthorne later today, so that's great. And I'll tell you, March Madness is just around the corner. And we're going to have our third retail location for PointsBet open up in just about another week or so in time for March Madness.
6: Oh, so there's a lot there. You already have a a setup over at Hawthorne. Yep. You added Crestwood a while back, so in time for the Madness, we're going to have location three in Prospect Heights.
5: Yeah, and Prospect Heights is a great location, because now you're starting to hit those northern suburbs. This is a location that's really large. You have a sports bar type of setup there. You have 100 HD TVs there, so especially when you're talking March Madness, you're going to have multiple games going on at the same time. You want to watch them all at the same time, and you can do so there. So this is going to be open about a week before March Madness, so everybody will have a chance to get in there. They're saying you should probably get some reservations here if you want to sit Mm -hmm. out there those first four days because it's going to be busy. I'm just happy it's going to be open in time. Can you hang out all day? Can we do that? You can go all day, start there early. They're going to open early for the books too, 10 a.m. on those game days for all of those to get out there and watch those early games and kind of get settled in. Stay until the night games end, and they're going to stay there to cash out (laughs) all the way until those games are over. So that's the beautiful thing about having these retail outlets go out there get a group of buddies together. They're starting to ease up on the capacity levels a little bit and Mm -hmm. just have a great day out there watching hoops, watching the horses and making some money.
6: All right, let's go. I, I saw you mentioned on Twitter the other day, you had the countdown going to the start of the racing season and you quickly mentioned it a moment ago. Tell the people, what exactly does that mean with the start of the racing season moving forward?
5: Yeah, live racing in Hawthorne. We had a couple of months where we were off there, and it usually happens during the wintertime, just to give the horses a little bit of a break, to give the staff a little bit of a break, too. But as we mentioned last week, it looks like the calendar is starting to change here in the state of Illinois for racing. But this year, we're already starting off this first weekend here of March, and we're going Thoroughbreds March and April. Standardbred racing May through September. Thoroughbreds October through December. And then you look right ahead to 2022, it looks like there's going to be a full year of racing between one breed or the other in 2022 as well. So things are busy at Hawthorne. Construction is rolling on the casino. So, so much going on. The early odds listeners have been waiting. They are ready. Three derby preps today. Jim Miller has picks. What are they? Yeah, we had a nice winner last week with greatest honor in the fountain of youth. Here's our derby preps this week. Aqueduct race nine. This is the Gotham Stakes. Bet the three, highly motivated to win. Then go over to Tampa Bay Downs, race eleven in the Tampa Bay Derby. Bet the eight hidden stash across the board. Then go to Santa Anita, race six, the San Felipe. Bet the one life is good. That's Bob Baffert's possible best three-year-old. And let's make some money, Joe. That's Jim Miller from Hawthorne Race Course. Jim, let's talk next Saturday, the day before
6: selection Sunday.
5: Oh my gosh. So exciting. Thanks, Joe.
6: And if you missed any of the last hour, you can always use the Rewind feature on the Radio.com app or subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast, which will be posted shortly. We started with the NBA All-Star Game events that you can bet on, then all of the College Hoops action this weekend. Fresh sports betting angles and interviews five days a week on my podcast, BetQL Daily. That's BetQL Daily on the podcast catcher of your choice. We're also live on YouTube weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon, inside the clubhouse, moments away. Talk Monday on BetQL Daily and at night on The Score. Hope it's a profitable weekend for you and keep it locked on 670 The Score.